Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hey, babe, what you got there? This is a check from Carvana. I just sold my car to them. I went online and Carvana gave me an offer right away. Then they just picked up the car and gave me this. Well, that's a big check. Well, obviously you could put this towards your next car, or we could finally get that jacuzzi, or I could start taking tuba lessons, or I could quit my job and write my memoir. Or I can put it towards my next car with Carvana. Sorry, your check, not mine. Sell your car to Carvana. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get a real offer in seconds. This is John Rocha, one-third of the Geek Buddies, with this awesome ad for you. If you like this show and you want to make your own, and some of you have reached out and asked us about making your own podcast, well, let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer, and now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never heard before. Go ahead and let your freak flag fly. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Take it from us here at the Geek Buddies. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on with the Geek Buddies show. And welcome to a spoiler review episode for Peacemaker from the Geek Buddies. Hey! Yeah. We're back recording this on a Sunday morning, trying to wake up ourselves here after a very long week, all three of us in our lives. A lot of stuff going on. Oh, okay. Already flaunting the uh, Christmas birthday present you've got there from uh, Shannon McClunk Thanos. Was, how ironic when you don't think Anos, you should probably write in N comma T or N apostrophe T there to be accurate there, Michael Vogel. I mean, Clint drank from this cup in Hawkeye, and I don't think that he really thought Thanos was right either. He and I are drinking out of this cup, ironically. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> Fine. Fine. I appreciate that. But we're gonna, but we're not talking about Marvel today. We're talking about DC today. We're gonna jump into the first. Four episodes, first four episodes of Peacemaker. We're at the halfway point here. We got four more to go, and we're going to jump in and do spoiler review here uh, for uh, this review. So just remind you, if you haven't seen the first four episodes, it's a chance to stop here, go and finish watching them, head on back and hang out with us for the rest of this review. But let's introduce ourselves first. I am the outlaw, John Roca, writer, producer, and host here on the Outlaw Nation and the Geek Buddies. Mike? I am Michael Vogel. I'm a writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies. And this is Shannon McClung. I'm an animation writer and a television actor where my latest episode of Strawberry Shortcake just dropped yesterday. If you've it ever sure wanted did. to see what a, what a robot looks like in Big Apple City, head on over and take a look. Oh. Good job. There you go. Congratulations. Congratulations. Oh, All right. Wow. <laughs> That Johnny's new toys. Johnny's new toys. <laughs> I can't wait to add actual more effects to it. We'll see if I can figure this thing out. Uh, anyway, uh, we're going to jump into this thing. And just to cover this, so make sure we reiterate, we're talking about a whole new world, best friends for never, better golf dead, and the chode less travel, which just dropped a, a few days ago. For everybody to watch on HBO Max. This is from James Gunn, starring John Cena and a host of other fantastic actors, which we'll get to. We're going to talk about everything within these episodes. Before we do, I just want to remind you all that we are powered and sponsored by Carbon Health, the fantastic people over there at Carbon Health. Let me tell you something, Mike and Shannon. From some of the fights I've seen in this and some of the toe cutting I've seen in this, they, the people in Peacemaker could absolutely use going to Carbon Health at uh, carbonhealth.com. They got urgent care, primary care, virtual care. They're a leading national health care provider with a mission to bring high quality health care to everyone. And something tells me Vigilante would have benefited from this, Mike and Shannon. I, mean, listen, I think 
I think he's I think he's caused as much uh, potential carbon <laughs> health patients as he uh, as he's in need of. So I think it evens out in the wash for him. Yeah, if you're not Kryptonian or Atlantean or have a power ring, you might need carbon health. That's right. That's right. Everyone deserves good health, even Peacemaker's dad. All right. Anyway, let's uh, let's get into this thing here as we start off. Let's first give our overall thoughts, Mike. Let's start with you as we always do. The first four episodes here, Peacemaker. I mean, I came out of, I don't know about YouTube, but I came out of Suicide Squad going, oh, do we really need a series? If I don't like this guy at all, he killed Rick Flagg. Why do I want to watch a series about this guy? Can John Cena really carry this series? And what is your overall impression about the work done overall by other actors and the show itself? Um, well, I mean, similar to you. I mean, I think we said that when the first trailer came out that I thought it was an interesting choice to go with him of all the characters that you could do, um, but that I trusted James Gunn. And I thought that, you know, James Gunn uh, so far has earned a track record that makes me say, all right, not my first choice, but let's see how it goes. And I think James Gunn, uh, the trust was well earned because holy shit, I think this show is amazing. I think it is hilarious. Uh, I think John Cena is killing it in this role. Yeah. Um, you know, we talk a lot about John Cena's comedic chops, which I think he does really good in a lot of the comedies that he's done. And the, his comedic chops really work well for him here. Mm -hmm. But also, it's comedic chops with an underbelly of dramatic acting and some stuff going on underneath that, like, really is surprising. So yeah. um, I think so far uh, at the halfway point, um, I am enjoying this show immensely more than I thought that I was going to. Uh, and, and even the fact that I thought it was going to be really funny just based on the trailers and it is, but it's a lot more too. I mean, there's a lot going on in the show. Uh, it is a weird, wacky little corner of the DC universe that he is uh, that he's eking out here, but it's working yeah. for him. Yeah, Shannon, you know, we talk about you're very hard on comedy. Sometimes you see the punchlines coming, you know, you're a master at doing these comedic takes and what have you. But there's a lot of comedy here mixed in with some actual, as Michael mentioned, really serious drama, father son issues, which seem to be prevalent throughout James Gunn's work here. But certainly there's all these moments of real vulnerabilities, mental health conversations, all this stuff happening in the first four episodes, not just, I guess, uh, uh, Peacemaker and his dad, but also uh, uh, Amanda Waller and her daughter like there's just all kinds of parent child stuff happening within the comedy how do you feel about how this show's handling both of those things here after four episodes you know coming out of the suicide squad which the first time i saw the movie it was like uh, it was fine right um i enjoyed it more on repeat viewings and part of the enjoyment was from john cena i mean with his um theatrical career thus far i yeah. think dramatically he he probably hasn't gotten there quite a bit but he is very funny like he knows how to land a joke yeah and i think what we're seeing right now um is cena finding in james gunn someone who really knows how to shepherd his talents yeah. Um, yeah you you see that with a lot of kind of big action stars i mean you like schwarzenegger had cameron uh vin diesel had uh pitch black david uh Tui. Hmm. Um, you find this one individual who's really able to sort of unlock this potential inside of you. And thus far, I think uh, John Cena is doing really, really well. I mean, I, that's what I was going to say when Vogel was talking about. Yeah. There is more than comedy going on. Like, there's surprisingly um, a, a good bit of heart. Yeah. And it's coming from such a weird, unconventional place because you look at Peacemaker, you get to know his dad, you see... Mm -hmm this guy is a product of his environment yeah. and he's trying his best. I mean, but he, he doesn't have the, he doesn't have the emotion, emotional vocabulary to quite communicate the things in the, in the, the best way possible. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I think the, the show is doing really, really well there. And that was one of the surprises of episode one is we find out that, uh, Adebayo is Amanda Waller's yeah. daughter. Um, so seeing that, I mean, it always comes back to, to parents and children. That's like all, <laughs> that's what all great stories end up being about is our relationships with our moms or our dads. Um, so thus far, I mean, it's, it's incredibly entertaining. Yeah. Um, but also, yes, they are, they are showing that there, that there's a lot of heart here too. And they're introducing yeah. some really great characters. I mean, Vigilante, uh, yeah. I, I, it, he, he has been, so funny and again you see this dude who has a probably a very tortured background and this like he's trying to connect with people in the most fucked up way possible yeah it's kind of crazy mike when you look at it because like i'll go back to you on this because like 
John Cena, this is a straight white male, pseudo-racist, as he's pointed out in that first conversation uh, with, uh, oh, God, I forget that actor's name who's, who's mopping uh, up there. Rizwan. Yeah, Rizwan. Like, he's having that comment. He's like, okay, I'll do better. I'll try to shoot more white people. And you're like, this, in the moment, you're like, oh, my God, is this the show we're going to get? And this breaks all the conventions of people have been, you know, clamoring about, oh, cancel culture and woke mob and pc stuff here is a show that absolutely shatters all those walls but also shows you a guy who is figuring out that he can't just speak that he's going to make the change he's actually being called out on making the change even when he makes the same mistake multiple times by the other characters on the show so this is we're watching his journey as a product as shannon mentioned of his dad but also working in the modern world with this uh, diverse team and having to confront all of his stuff and navigate it I mean, this could have gone so badly and it's working so well for a lot of people. Well, and I think that's where the brilliance of doing a show around Peacemaker actually makes sense is I mm -hmm. think that if you were trying to hold Peacemaker up as some kind of hero and he was doing a lot of the things he did, I think you'd have a bunch of think pieces about, is this really the hero that we want? Is this right. what we really want to like get behind? But he's not a hero. He's a villain. He's a bad dude. Like we, we they, they remind us right off the bat that he killed Rick Flagg. Like he's yes. a bad guy yeah. and the government is using him because he's a killer. So it gives James Gunn the freedom to have this character that is not great in a thousand different ways. And he really plays it up for laughs. But then the other thing that he does is uh, by getting into the Robert Patrick of it all with Peacemaker's dad yeah. is you have someone in the show who is a thousand times worse than Peacemaker mm -hmm. who turned Peacemaker into what he is. Yeah. So James Gunn gets to tell this story about kind of this broken person who, like Shannon said, doesn't have the emotional intelligence or the emotional language to express the trauma that he's felt in his life and the trauma that he's grown up with. And so he's just this broken, giant, muscly 10 year old. Like that's yeah. basically what he is. And so it allows James Gunn to sort of touch on a lot of those issues of um, toxic masculinity, of uh, a dumb white guy who is kind of racist, but not as racist as his dad, super sexist, like yeah. all the things, but uh, never in glorifying him, in showing how broken he is. And I think that also surrounding him with such a strong cast uh, of, of, like you said, a very diverse cast also helps sort of like balance it all out. So I think yeah. it's, it, you're right, it could have gone really wrong. It is definitely a tightrope act. But again, it's a tightrope act that like James Gunn's writing in this series thus far, in these first four episodes, makes it feel effortless. Like it is just a joy to watch and laugh at how ridiculous he is. And then you're all of a sudden surprised that you actually are sympathizing with him or empathizing with him or feeling yeah. bad for him. Yeah, I think nothing stresses that more than that scene in the second episode when he is telling himself as he's crying in the bed, everybody hates you, nobody likes you. And you just, I don't know about anybody else who's watching this or if you guys, I've had those moments more than once where, where you feel that way, like the whole world doesn't want you, you don't fit, you don't belong, you don't know what's wrong with you, but you've got your patterns of doing things and people seem to respond and not respond to it and it just affects you. And then of course, typical James Gunn, he buttons it with Vigilante coming in and he's worried that Vigilante has his cock out. So it's just crazy how he plays along, play, plays way up here on the high wire with it, Shannon, with Peacemaker. And I'll swing back over to Vigilante as well. This is a guy who could easily have killed people in high school. Like could have been one of these guys who loses it and, and can, ends up killing a bunch of people in high school. But he ends up, but he's like, um, how can I say this? He's processed that rage and he's focused the rage into being this incredible killer with a Peacemaker and finding almost a, uh, a slavish devotion to this guy. He's almost like his hero in some ways. Yeah, you get the sense that um, even before... Uh, Peacemaker finds out that Vigilante is Adrian Chase. Like you get the sense right away. Like th okay, this is a this is a, a lone wolf. Yeah. you might say, and that this was a guy just based off of the uh, wardrobe choice of putting him in those big glasses. Like okay, this is someone <laughs> who got picked on to a degree that yeah, he has now sense. turned himself into a living weapon. And anything he perceives as the slightest thing that is wrong, like yeah. smoking. Smoking marijuana, he he will kill someone for. Like when the, I was actually watching that scene right before we hopped on, when um, Peacemaker uh, is is sort of you know hitting himself and saying you know you're yeah. terrible, no one no one likes you, yeah. and then you see like he when Vigilante shows up, he brings up Louis C.K. Yeah, and he's just like 
Louis C.K., I'll kill him. Like, you just see, like, Vigilante has a very one-track mind yeah. in, in order to solve problems, which actually ends up becoming very helpful in the third episode mm -hmm. when Peacemaker can't can't bring himself to, you know, to, to, to kill the kids who are aliens, but he can't bring himself to do it. And you see the way that Vigilante, how he says, you know, I'm your best friend, I'm your best friend. And you see this very tender moment where he yeah. just kind of gently puts his hand on his shoulder and be like, Hey man, I got it. And you juxtapose that with the brutality of him taking out three people or four yeah. people and, or no, it was three people, yeah, um, exactly. takes out the mom and the, the mom and the two kids. Um, yeah. I mean, it's just really, really well done <laughs> in the moment that Adebayo of course, recognizes Adrian Chase out of costume as that's vigilante and he's yeah. trying to change his voice. Oh my God. <laughs> I mean, he's very good at one thing, which is killing people. Everything else, not so much. I also oh. love uh, in the third episode when he's in the bush and he's like, what are you talking about? Vigilante's not here. And Harcourt's like, what is? what are you even trying to do right now? Are you a talking bush? Like, what? what's your game? Like, how are you... What are you doing here? Um, and I think like that is that is the other thing about this show that really works well is that um, everyone's an idiot. Yeah, like it's a it is I a do. show where literally everyone is on some level kind of ridiculous. Hmm. Uh, and is, I was talking to somebody about this, and they made the point, which was really interesting, which is in a world in a genre of superhero shows which we watch uh, the superhero shows superhero movies where we obsess over them and we talk about them all the time and we love all these superheroes but you know that in real life uh the tights and the drama and the seriousness like that's not how it really is and so peacemaker as a tv series even yeah. though it's playing everything to a ridiculous level of comedy in a way is the more realistic version of if this was really happening and there was people running around in tights and bright costumes this is probably a little bit closer to what they would be like in real life. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. That's the thought that's been uh, swirling around in my head as well, Mike. So I absolutely agree with you. I mean, this feeling that in this world, yes, Marvel is about aspiring to do great things and they, they're flawed characters, but in an effort to try to make a better world, in an effort to try to do what's right. Here, this is like the ground level type of approach. This is real, right? This is what you would see. I mean, that scene where him and Vigilante are shooting things in the forest to kind of detox from whatever emotions they were going through. <laughs> I mean, to me, having grown up in Southern Virginia, I know those uh, those places. I know I've gone with friends of mine when I was in middle school or high, early years of high school and saw them go shooting and whatever. So it's a it's a it's it's relatable. It's connectable and. A lot of the country could probably connect to a character like this um, and these struggles that he's going through himself and trying to break the patterns that he's got. And this kind of simple, how can I say this kind of limited approach, as you said, the emotional vocabulary, he's learning episode by episode. I think that's what the genius of the show is, too, is that you're seeing Peacemaker's journey episode by episode happening organically. Like he's changing in the fourth episode after Shan after that moment that Shannon mentioned where Vigilante took over and killed the family. He says to earn to Mern, I'm not going to kill people just because you tell me I have to kill people. That's him breaking away from the Suicide Squad stuff because of the effect of the killing of Rick Flag. He is changing step by step, like grabbing his own agency, grabbing his own journey, grabbing his own path, even from his dad. Uh, in, in in that episode four, you see there's like there's a possible break that might be coming here between those two about how to approach what's happening and uh, we should get into all, all the actors here let's let's yeah. list them and then we'll get into the storylines as well here but certainly danielle brooks leading the way as leota Adebayo, fantastic is playing amanda waller's daughters so much to explore there we mentioned uh, vigilante adrian trace freddie stroma doing a fantastic job he was the one who was recast uh gun apparently had shot what five and a half episodes then went back and reshot all these scenes with freddie stroma because he didn't like how the other actor was doing this part fascinating that's how much wow. dedication yeah so much care and dedication and belief he had in this show that it had to work in a certain way and of course jennifer holland who's fantastic as amelia harcourt i had never seen her before 
small parts in uh, in uh, Suicide Squad than seeing her really take center stage in a lot of the scenes here. Certainly the relationship between her and Peacemaker is in an interesting place. Is it evolving to a friendship? Is it evolving to a possible romance? Who can say? Uh, and Steve Ag, I love him so much more in this show than I did in Suicide Squad as Johnny Economos. Uh, Robert Patrick, obviously, is Augie Smith. Annie Chang is the detective. Sophie Song, it's so great to see Lachlan, Lachlan Monroe. We've seen him in a million uh, of those coming-of-age 90s films, seeing him there as Larry Fitzgibbon. And Newt Lee as Judo Master. Good God almighty, how great is he coming in in episodes three and four? So such a great cast. Uh, Shannon, I'll go to you first on this one. Who stands out uh, in this cast? And what, what do you? how do you feel about this cast and the characters that they're uh, creating here within the show? I mean, I think Freddie Stroma is probably the one who's who's sticking out the most to me just because I not I don't remember seeing him in other things. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I certainly may have, but he, Game of Thrones. He was in Game of Thrones. Yeah. Oh, OK. Who was he in Game of Thrones? Uh, you keep talking. I'll find it real quick. OK. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, he he's the one that's really standing out to me just because mm-hmm. I, I don't recall seeing him in things. And also the the role is so. It's such a dynamic role. Um, as you said already, Danielle Brooks, like I you remember seeing yeah. her in Orange is the New Black. I think she's doing a fantastic job. And uh, yeah, I think I have to go with, uh, what was it? Is it, it Newt? Uh, Newt Lee um, yeah. as Judo Master. The limited amount of dialogue that they're, oh. that they're giving him. Um, it's, it, it's, it's, it's so like... Uh, precise and it's so funny <laughs> like his his exchanges his brief exchanges with a uh, peacemaker like hey remember when i kicked your ass like that's so <laughs> funny to be delivered from such a sort of diminutive individual and i gotta admit that in the opening credits which i know we'll talk about that more but yes i gotta say who knew that lachlan monroe had moves like just watching his stuff i was I pointed it out to shaney i was like oh that guy knows how to dance like you can tell uh but yeah the cast overall very very enjoyable yeah he was a uh, dick on tarley in game of thrones he was also a cormac mclaughlin in uh harry potter and deathly hollows part one and two uh and also hg wells in a tv series in 2017 for time wow. half the time that's for that Thomas. i remember he's been working a uh, consistent and in bridgerton he had a recurring character in bridgerton as well prince friedrich so great to see mike who stands out for you as you're watching Wh- which uh you know which a uh, bunch of actors stand out for you that really grabbed your eye and impressed you through these first four episodes um, I think they're all doing a really great job. I think for me, uh, it's Daniel Brooks who really stands out the most. Mm. Uh, I think like, Leota Adebayo is probably, I think, the reason the show really, really works as well as it does. I think she is the heart of the show. Mm. I think every scene that you where she's talking with Peacemaker makes you love Peacemaker a little bit more. Um, I think she's really, really funny. And... I thought the whole reveal that she was uh, Waller's daughter was brilliant. Like at the beginning yeah. of the show, when uh, when Mern shows up, I was like, "Oh, okay, so this is what they're gonna do. They probably, you know, she's a little busy. We're not gonna get we're not gonna get Waller here. Viola Davis has got a lot going on." And so then, when she did actually pop up, I was like, "Oh shit, okay, that's really cool." And then when you revealed who Daniel Brooks' uh, character, who Autobio is, being yeah. her daughter, I was like, this is really, really interesting. And just all of the, su- I mean, she's great, she's funny. I Like I said, I think she's really the heart. But also like every time Waller comes up and just the disdain everybody else has for Waller yeah. and seeing her reaction and not really being fully sure what she's doing there, what she's doing for Waller, how much of what she's doing is playing being inept, how much is really being inept. Like, it's just a really, really interesting role. And I think she's doing amazing with it. But the whole team is great. Uh, Steve Agi, I wasn't sure at first about him as a comic. Yeah, me too. He was a little bit annoying, but he's really grown on me. I think he's funny. Um, the dynamic between him and Cena is awesome. And yeah, Jennifer Holland as Harcourt is just doing a fantastic job with a role that could so easily be one dimensional and unlikable. Yeah. Uh, and she's not, I mean, she's the hard ass. She's the cynical one. She's the one that kind of speaks to the, this is just the way it is, but there's something going on underneath it that like really makes you feel for her. And I think with each character, I mean, I think that's again, uh, and, and of course, uh, Freddie Stroma, I mean, that vigilante yeah. is just killing it. I mean, everyone in this show, um, but again, it's that, and James Gunn just has this thing, and I think Shannon's right, he's he's able to bring this out and get all of his actors to be, a, that what they are saying is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. They're talking about the fucking Berenstein Bears. Like, they're talking about <laughs> the most Berenstein. ridiculous stuff um, in a show where they are running around trying to shoot 
uh, butterfly people that have yeah. taken over human bodies. And yet each one of them, as funny and ridiculous as the show is, has kind of this like pathos and sadness underneath them um, that just makes this feel like so much more than just a haha, aren't superheroes stupid show. Yeah, and this is what the gift of the show is with these characters is they're all relatable. You can find yourself or pieces of yourself in each of these characters. And I think a lot of us quietly have one character that we're kind of following whose narrative is similar to ours in our lives. And it's so interesting to have that with all these characters. I think that's really important. Something you bring up here, Mike, the pathos, the depth, the vulnerability, that's the things you connect to. Certainly with Leota, it's she's almost like a co-lead of the show because her journey to kind of figure out, as you mentioned, Mike, where she fits uh, in this world as she's navigating uh, being a part of this. And she only we find out she only took the job because she's in between jobs, she doesn't have a job. She's got her uh, girlfriend that they want to get married. And so like she's trying to do this. And I love that that's just, that's just there and it's not a big deal. It's not made a big deal out of except for of course peacemaker making his comments but like it, it is what it is and they navigate that as a relationship and like a real work relationship there are issues that she's not home enough or there's issues coming up uh happening rather that she's not like communicating enough. so we're getting that with this relationship which i think is great then you throw in Merton. i think uh, i hope i'm saying this right chuck chuck woody iwuji as Mern is an interesting sub for amanda waller's got that kind of vibe to him but you're seeing him in the fourth episode starting to loosen up a little bit i mean him telling economos to fuck you from behind the window is just brilliant and seeing him kind of have a little more have that break of where he's not just this badass cold leader of them there's a little more of a connection that he's making with each of the team really makes sense and helps the overall vibe of the show as well and jennifer holland certainly fantastic what a standout doing great work and Robert Patrick, I mean, he is the, he is the worst dad you could have. It is just such a tough father, uh, always talking about that. As, my, as Shannon mentioned, the male toxicity and all of that. So it's just interesting to see them all kind of work within their characters and all of them on their own journey to kind of prove something. Right, uh, Adebayo, she wants to know where she fits in. Peacemaker, obviously, trying to figure out what his path is. Mern, trying to figure out how to run this damn team and get this stopped. Vigilante figuring out, well, how do I stand up? No, I, I, how do I be his best friend constantly? Harcourt herself and Economos, both of them paying for what happened to Amanda Waller at the end of Suicide Squad. Because the girl that got the girl that hit her, we saw we see gets taken away. But those two now get assigned to this and they feel like they're being punished. So they have to prove something themselves here in this situation. So it's a lot to explore that I really like and enjoy from these characters that are being fleshed out episode per episode. Let's swing over to the story here, Mike. I'll go back to you on this. The butterfly story. This is not a story from the comics. This is a story that James Gunn kind of created. But a lot of people are starting to speculate that this may connect up with Mr. Mind, as we saw at the end of Shazam. That's a character that was teased. Do you see a connection here? And what's your thoughts overall about the butterfly storyline as we're as we are four episodes in? You know, it's so funny. Um for someone who so often when we talk about the MCU loves to talk about the connections and how this links up to this yeah. and how this links up to this, I don't know if this is going to link up to some bigger DC Universe thing. And also, I don't care. Like, I think it's really yeah. great. I, I think that the butterfly story is really interesting. I think, again, the thing that's amazing about Peacemaker is that we're about a half hour into discussing the show and yeah. we've been talking about the characters and their journeys. We have been talking about Peacemaker dealing with the trauma of having the shittiest father and whatever happened to his brother. We've talked about Vigilante wanting to be his best friend. And so this show is not a plot driven show like, holy shit, what's the reveal of the week? What's the, you know, how are right. they going to beat this? How are they going to beat this? But it's a cool interesting mystery like you know okay so we get by the third episode all right there's butterflies and they are taking over people and they're weird and uh people drink honey out of tubes coming out of their mouths cool got it but then the reveal that uh peacemaker kept the one alive when he told them that they killed it and what's that's going to be and then finding out at the very end of the fourth episode that Mern actually is a butterfly and even judo master yeah. in the big fight kind of saying this isn't what you think it is like at first i was like all right well this is what it is there's a big it's the typical aliens are taking over the world and peacemaker is going to have to stop it and he's kind of an idiot so is he going to be able to do that and if that is what the show had been that would have been perfectly fine but instead we're getting like something that's a little bit more interesting like the fact that yeah. Mern is so intently wanting to destroy the butterflies and yet he is a butterfly like, what is going on i have no idea but it's a really compelling sort of plot driven mystery 
in a show where that is taking second seat to all of the character stuff, um, which is just great, I think. You know, it's, it's a... I'm intrigued about the butterfly storyline. I'm interested to see where it goes, but I'm not nearly as interested uh, as I am about seeing Peacemaker dealing with his dad, Vigilante kind of opening up and figuring out what he's like. To your point, each one of these characters is trying to figure something out and watching them do that with this kind of bigger butterfly storyline in the background. um, It's great. I, I, I much prefer this to... Um, a show where the butterfly part was driving everything and you just got little character bits here and there. Like, I think this is kind of what James Gunn loves to do. He loves to tell a giant character story. And the fact that he's able to do that in the DC universe with these sort of uh, lower level characters and that it's working so well is just awesome. Yeah. My, Shannon, thoughts on, this, uh, on the butterfly storyline overall, how it's weaving. Do you agree with Michael that it's actually working really well here to have we're touching on the storyline it's there but it's really about seeing how these characters work together and what the journeys they're on that's really selling the show to you yeah i mean i think the butterfly at this point as you guys yeah. have already said at, like the characters the, like, yeah. the characters are so engaging that they could probably be doing anything and mm-hmm. we would just be so involved with watching watching the characters develop and watching how the relation their relationships to each other develop the fact that we do have a consistent story that now that we find out that Mern is one, like I yeah. think that's how we're going to see the bigger story uh, connect with all of our character stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think I think it's really good. I mean, I read the the whole Mister Mind thing as well, and I would have to think that they're a little reticent to connect Shazam, which is very family friendly, to Peacemaker, which is a series, but also it is that is a hard R. Um, <laughs> oh yeah. My, oh, yeah. my guess is that uh, Peacemaker is not going to be popping up <laughs> in, in, in a bunch of stuff, <laughs> that he's probably going to be the centerpiece of his world. I'll be curious to see at the end of this, um, uh, with however the story concludes, if we'll, if if Peacemaker is a limited series or if they're going to keep it going. Like, are they yeah. going to have another another adventure for this team of characters to go on? I have to say, so far in his career, this is this is the greatest role of John Cena's career. So far, I mean, absolutely, it's, it's incredible to, and there's, uh, you know, I've seen the first seven. There's more to come over the next three episodes of him and, and his work and his emotional work that is just, it will knock your socks off. It'll absolutely show. Look, I watched him in pro wrestling for what 16 years, and I wasn't the biggest fan of him all the time, mainly because he seemed to come off as kind of douchey and not that cool of a guy sometimes, or a bit like a uh, one dimensional in his wrestling or in his characterizations. Seeing him here has been a phenomenal surprise, much more than anything else I've seen him in. This, I didn't think he could do. The Rock can't even do what Cena is doing and has not shown us that he can do what Cena is doing in this show. No offense. So I'm curious to see how that could work. I mean, you could have Black Adam, not Shazam, slide into this. Black Adam could work in a Peacemaker situation if you do Mr. Mind. That could play around. That could maybe fit if they're going to go that right. Wouldn't that be interesting, Cena and the rock together um i want to swing back to the humor a little bit more uh with this i mean and i'll go to, to to mike on this one too mike we've got mentions here as you mentioned this feels very real they mentioned bat mike casually they mentioned matter eater lad casually judo master butterflies the white dragon bat mike doll man these are all mentioned casually and he goes after aquaman for sleeping with fishes for a wonder woman he goes after superman he goes after batman when he's going back and forth with the old man who's the neighbor of his dad. And by the way, I kind of agreed with him on the Batman take, but what did you think about how they're casually just dropping these characters? Is this just a James Gunn thing or think this is kind of how they're making themselves distinctly different from Marvel? I think, well, it's interesting because I think what they're doing and, you know, I think that it's a different way than Marvel. When Marvel, everything kind of happens. Like Iron Man was the first superhero And each movie that comes out expands the universe for us. Like we get to see this universe grow and we know all the players. The DC universe, because of the way Snyder decided to go with it, uh, particularly with Batman versus Superman, is a world where a lot of these characters already existed, already had full lives. And so James Gunn sort of inherited that, um, this world where all of these characters have existed and he's making the most of it and kind of using some of the weirder things like Batmite to throw in there. And again, I think it's like, it's just whether or not 
DC takes that and runs with it for their entire universe, or they're just letting James Gunn do what James Gunn wants to do. Who knows? But it does a really good job of making the world feel it's a lived in superhero world. Mm-hmm. It's a world where all of this stuff exists and we haven't seen all of it, but this is a world where metahumans and heroes, like, you know, and I, and I think James Gunn is doing it in the right way, where sometimes biggest example being uh, having a Batman who has lived his life and we didn't get to see any of his cool adventures with Batfleck and knowing that there was a Robin that was killed by the Joker, but never get like what well, I think yeah. I said a thousand times that I feel like. Snyder skipped over some really cool potential stories for DC movies just to get to his older Batman. And I feel like that was kind of maybe going a bit too far in um, having stuff already exist in your world that I would have liked to have seen. I don't necessarily need to see Matter Eating La- Matter Lad. I don't need to see Batmite. <laughs> but the fact that it's so casually mentioned and that this is a thing and the fact that they're letting him kind of say a lot of the stuff that people point out when you're talking yeah. about how silly some things are, like... Batman. I mean, when when John when Peacemaker says, "How many people do you think have died indirectly?" Because yeah. Batman indirectly because Batman has refused to kill these guys that clearly deserve to be killed. And you're like, I mean, he's not wrong. Like that is a very <laughs> valid argument. Um, and the fact that DC and Warner Brothers is letting a character within the universe point that out about one of their most popular characters. Um, who I don't think is going to all of a sudden start killing people anytime soon is yeah. really um, it's bold and it's an interesting choice. And I think it's working at the risk of perking Mike Kalinowski's ears up while he's asleep in bed on a Sunday morning. I agree. I love what DC is doing here to just dis- to kind of really just dis- dis- make themselves distinctly different than Marvel. I love their approach here. It's a more uh, realistic approach. The R rated approach. There's no kind of is Deadpool R rated? Is it not R rated? There's no claim. There's no worries about that. They're going full bore into this guy who's into heavy metal uh, and loves the choir boys, which I think is brilliant. That whole sequence. Uh, he's, he's, you know, he's uncomfortably racist at times, sexist at times, uh, you know, makes comments or jokes at, at the LGBTQ community. They get turned around on him. All these little things step by step. It's an interesting approach, and it's an approach we haven't seen Marvel. There's no kind of cuddly kind of approach to this that is and makes it distinctly different, which I appreciate madly. And I think DC is the place you can do that, whereas Marvel, it's a little bit harder to do that because of the uh, parameters within Marvel. What do you think, uh, Shannon? I mean, uh, no offense, he went after your boy Aquaman sleeping with the fishes and whatever. Like, But th- what do you feel about how he's casually dropping these characters that, by the way, are from some of them are from the same batch of characters that were bought by DC back in the 70s. Uh, Charlton Comics, I think it's called. So how do you feel about how James Gunn is handling this and how it's happening so casually in the show? Well, I think it serves it serves a couple of different purposes. I think you, you as Vogel already said, like it's it's a populated world. It doesn't necessarily mean that Jason Momoa is going to show up. I don't think that's going <laughs> to. Oh, <laughs> he would fit kind of perfectly here too. Yeah, <laughs> I think the family friendly again the family friendly Aquaman franchise is not going to cross paths with with Peacemaker. Um, but because you are living in a world populated with superheroes, populated with sort of these crazy ideas. The the fact that they're chasing down alien butterflies who have taken over humans is not that crazy. Like, it's yeah. a very easy way to get into the story. Like, after uh, uh, Peacemaker blows the one the one gal up, it's not so much. Oh, my gosh. You know, this 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 is what the, this is what happened. This woman was throwing me all over the place. What is she? It's like she's a metahuman. Like, you know, we have sort of, again, an established vocabulary. Like, right. this is this is what we're working with. Also, I think that them bringing up these other superheroes, um, especially, you know, the Batmans, the Aquamans, um, it's also serves to remind the audience of who Peacemaker isn't, that right, you have point. a world of popular superheroes. And there's this guy who wears a silver helmet who a lot of folks are like, wait, who are you? <laughs> so I think that I think that's sort of the dual purposes that that choice serves. And I think and I think it was the smart thing to do. Yeah. Well, and I, yeah, to, the, to that point, I think that, uh, you know, again, uh, anything that comes out of Peacemaker's mouth is fair game because he's a moron. <laughs> I mean, so if he says shit about Aquaman or he says shit about Batman, he also thinks butt babies are a thing. So it's yeah. like, like, like there's not a, this is an authority figure on superheroes who's saying stuff. So even though he's saying stuff that maybe as we've all debated the realisticness versus unreality of superhero stuff, he is hitting on a few things like the Batman thing. But also he's a moron 
And to Shannon's point, he would love nothing more than for people to look at him like Aquaman or Batman or Wonder oh, Woman yeah. or any of these people. And they don't because he's not. And that's what uh, that's who he is. That's what's great about it. He, in a way, he's like a worse, dumber, more less evolved character than like a Guy Gardner. Like with Green Lantern, like Guy Gardner, who is a uh. hero, is a hero in the DC Comics who kind of is allowed to be sort of a, a really kind of um, douchey white guy, but sure. he's still a hero. Peacemaker's yeah. the douchey white guy that's not even really a hero. So um, it's just he can literally get away with saying anything um, on a level of appropriateness or on a level of trashing superheroes. Yeah, it's weird. I, I I bristle at the word dumber. I agree with less evolved. I don't know if I agree with dumber, but maybe less evolved. And I'll go but that babies. far for sure. For but sure. Babies. But, I but babies. Fair. But we look, we if we start grabbing on things that people believe that are conspiracy theories that are nuts and start ascribing whether they're smart or not to that, we're gonna lose a lot of friends and family. All right, all right, all right, all right. But I point taken, point taken. <laughs> I just think he's less evolved. I think that's a great point you bring up, Mike, because what's brilliant about the way they frame him too is that he is smarter than Vigilante, and but he's not as smart as Hardcore. Where is he with Economos? I don't know. Economos is great technically, but clearly as a people person, Economos, not the best guy himself, right? So everyone, it's, it's shifting dynamics in terms of power uh, within whoever he's talking to, which I think is great. So you're not just going, oh, he's the dumb guy in the room. We all just have to deal with him. No, there's more going on here because there are moments where he, he earnestly wants to do better. He earnestly, like yeah. when he doesn't feel the family, as Shannon pointed out, that's a that's a progression. That's an emotional progression. The Rick Flag thing has messed him up. And uh, the fact that his, um, how could I say, his sensors were down just so he could have sex with that girl and he realized that that girl was trying to kill. Like in the past, he wouldn't have been as probably oblivious to it as he seems to be in that point because he's on this journey of dealing with the fact that he killed someone like Rick Flag, who probably he probably looked up to and revered and had to do it because he was in service of his country. Now he's questioning whether he should have been in service of his country at all. So I love that all of that is running through here as he's navigating all of this as I well. It, I, read it a, I read it a little bit differently than that. I think that's a val I, I, it very much could be that. So I, I, I hadn't thought about it in that way. Hmm. Um, I look at it as this is a guy who, I mean, we saw it in Suicide Squad, like he's great with his weapons. He is a, he is a very yes. proficient killer. Yes, um, but I think what we're seeing here is less the death of Rick Flag fucked me up so bad that I'm reeling and more. This is who this guy really is. Like he might have said he'll kill any man, woman or child, but I don't think he's ever killed a child. And I think that this what we're seeing mm -hmm. is he's put in a position where he is actually asked to put his money where his mouth is based on what he yep. says and who he is. And he isn't that guy. Um, and even with uh, the metahuman woman in the in the in the yep. first episode, um, I don't think that a former peacemaker prior to uh, prior to Suicide Squad would have been more aware. I think yep. he is. That's who he. That's who he is. I think we're seeing a yep. guy, and we're seeing who he really is as a person. But because we're getting so much about his uh, about about his family, about his dad, about his past. And we're seeing this relationship with Vigilante. Uh, we're, we're sort of, we're, we're scratching at the surface and we're putting him in a position where he is trying to figure out who he really is. Okay. Shannon, how do you feel about this? What do you, what do you follow in this? Do you think he's on this journey? That, did it mess him up? Or do you think he's, as Michael said, he's just, just who he is? I think it's both. I think oh. it's both. I mean, you, like we, we can watch during the show that the death of Rick Flagg, the murder of Rick Flagg, yeah. um, that th that has got him off kilter. Mm -hmm. But also... I think it's one of those things that he has this credo that he'll do anything to achieve peace. And that includes murdering any man, woman or child. I think Vogel's right. I think he's yeah. never killed a kid. I think this is something that he has Probably. said for so long that it's just sort of it's it's muscle memory that that's mm -hmm. the way he responds. But when he's actually put in the situation, it seems like he he's kind of a loaded gun. And if you have the right person aiming him, which Amanda Waller ostensibly for that story was the right person, he's yeah. probably very effective. When you put him in a in a situation where he has to act slightly more independently, this he's now out of his comfort zone. He doesn't know what to do. And there may be a reason 
why he doesn't he hasn't killed a kid maybe a reason from uh, for his own stuff you know who knows who knows um uh what else do i want to oh yeah uh, let's get into the openings i mean what an incredible opening so many people saying this is the greatest opening in the history of television slow it down a little bit i'm gonna uh, but i think this is maybe the greatest of the superhero i'm still gonna take that sopranos opening every day of the week so what did you guys do you guys first of all how did this opening strike you guys the first time you saw it shannon i'll go to you first on this one and then do you think it's the greatest opening ever in a tv show I am reticent to say it is the greatest, but I will say just off the top of my head, it's top five, like without a doubt. I mean, I thought it matched up so perfectly with the opening of the show that this crazy off the wall sort of modern dance meets heavy metal music video as as it was starting, I was kind of like, oh, my God is this the opening for every week? Because you see the guest cast as well. Yes, you and do. I was like, oh my God, is this the opening every week or are they going to change it every week? I was really hoping that they were going to change it every week. But the one that we got, I, you know, with the, in the age of streaming, a lot of times we have the option to skip past the opening yeah. credits. And for a lot of shows, I skip past the opening credits. This is one I will not do it. <laughs> Again, I will watch the show by myself first because I get excited and then I'll watch it with, with Shaney and whenever the skip option comes up she looks at me and I'm like mm, don't touch it because <laughs> I will I will watch it and I will laugh every single time I think I think it is so it, it's clearly struck such a nerve that they they put out a behind the scenes on it yeah they've yeah. got an interview with the choreographer which I was like that's yeah. brilliant and like I don't think I think they knew the opening was fun right but I don't think they had any clue that it was going to resonate the way that it has yeah, I tweeted it yesterday, that video. And yeah, when I first got the episodes and saw that opening, I'm like, this is genius. Are other people going to feel the same way I feel about this? Because this is brilliant. Or is it because I'm an 80s kid and this hits all the boxes? Hair metal, the the mo weird modern dance, the eagle, all of it. Is that why? Uh, Mike, what did you think of this intro? It, it's done to Wigwam's uh, Do You Want to Taste It? Uh, do you uh, like this one? <laughs> Sorry, do you like this one? Were you impressed by it? And do you not skip past it as well? It is at the top for you of, of intros in a TV show. I mean, I don't know what I'll say it's the top. Like, like I, there's so many TV intros that are so good for different reasons, but it's definitely one of the funniest for sure. Um, so if we're going to talk funniest, it's top five, um, at least. It, it's great. I mean, look, it's it's hilarious. It's weird. It, it instantly gets you in the mindset of what the tone of this show is, which is yeah. a show that is super ridiculous and doesn't take itself too seriously. All of the actors look like they're having a great time. Um, but it also does, in the way that the actors come out in the different groups, it also is kind of telling you a little bit of a story about yeah. who's who and what's going on. And if you really watch the series, and I mean, you've seen more episodes than we have, but even in the first four... Look, Peacemaker dancing is part of him yes, accessing is. his inner demons, his emotional vulnerability that he doesn't let out. Like, like you know, like at the end of the fourth episode where he's in his apartment dancing yeah. and remembering the death of Rick Flagg and remembering his father uh, having him kill someone, I assume, for the first time. Remembering yeah. the little hints that we're getting about his brother and what happened to his brother. So... As ridiculous and over the top and, hey, this is what the show is, as the opening is, dancing thematically is also an important piece of the show. So, again, it's where I get super – like, I think the biggest surprise for me is that this show that I expected to be funny and weird absolutely is. But the funny and weird has a reason and there's emotional undercurrents that are riding that wave of humor in a really, really smart way, including the opening. Yes. And speaking of the opening and humor, we got to talk about Eagly. Uh, how do we feel about Eagly? That moment when he hugs him and uh, his dad, he's, he's hugging me, dad, he's hugging me. And then all the different moments that Eagly pops up. We did see it from the trailer in the diner, but also the different moments uh, where he's like uh, trying to make Peacemaker feel good or trying to kind of connect with Peacemaker. Peacemaker's connecting with Eagly. What do you guys think about Eagly, Mike? I'll go back to you on this one. Well, so the thing that I find the funniest about Eagly is that in a show where we're made to be aware that Peacemaker is kind of a joke in a lot of ways, yeah, that, yeah. He is, that he is kind of not as smart as he thinks he is, let's say, uh, not as evolved uh, as he could be, um, and everyone is talking about how stupid he is, 
I kind of assumed when we saw the trailer that him having a pet eagle was going to be played for a joke like, don't keep a fucking eagle. Like, the thing is going to scratch right. you. It's a, it's a wild animal. But in all of this show that is making him ridiculous, he's 100% right. Like, that bird yeah. did hug him. That bird loves him. That yeah. bird is loyal to him. That bird does everything he says. And so I think it's really, really funny that for a character that is so ridiculous – the most ridiculous thing, which is I have this pet eagle that loves me, is true, accurate, like it works. And and I and I love this adorable relationship he has with his eagle, who really seems to be there for him when he needs him to be. <laughs> you know, I start to look at symbolism with things. Sometimes I go too deep, sometimes it's not there. But you? like yeah, yeah, fair. The fact that the eagle hugs look. He's a version of America as well. As much as we may not want to believe it, Peacemaker, his family, his friends, his crew on that squad there, so for lack of a better term, is is America as well. And so the eagle hugging him in a way is in essence kind of embracing a part of America as well. And that's the kind of how I take it. And, and his connection with eagles, his kind of thing, because like, you know, we want to believe we're highfalutin and how the American exceptional is all this. But there's some really ugly things in our past. And this is what he symbolizes in a way. And it's fascinating to watch the eagle hug him. I take a little bit of symbolism from that. Maybe off base, but I do. But I love their connection. What do you think, Shannon, about Eagly and the connection here with Peaceman? Watching the trailer, Eagly was one of the things that I was like, I don't know. This is going to work. It has surprisingly been uh, because because they, they're very diligent with how they use Eagly. Eagly yes. is like Eagly's not going to have uh, an Eagly episode, I don't think. Um, but the way that they use the Eagle is very very funny. It got mm. to a point, especially in the second episode, I'm like. I want to see Eagly get involved in the combat. I'm like, I don't know if he's trained to that point. But as the two detectives were taking shots at Peacemaker as he was trying to escape with Harcourt and Adebayo, yeah. I was just like, I would love to see that eagle swoop down and like take take one of their take one of their handguns. Um, it, it's amazing what can be done with 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 computer generated imagery now unbelievable because now yeah you don't think like there's at least for me there's not a moment where i'm like oh here comes the cgi eagle like that thing looks 100 real <laughs> and, and it is also voiced by d bradley baker yeah. who who is the voice of the clones in in the animated star wars yeah i mean i think eagly's a blast i hope we get to see eagly uh, uh get involved in the fighting as well and Absolutely. yeah look john yeah. i mean i'm always the first one that likes to make fun of you when i think you've gone too deep on something um yeah but uh yes you are I... wendy's go ahead yes go ahead what <laughs> but i do think uh in this respect <laughs> I think you're kind of right. I mean, I think James Gunn is kind of saying with Peacemaker, uh, look, this is America wants to think very highly of itself. America is not great all the time, uh -huh. um, but this is a show that is taking the warts and all version of America, if that's what you're going to look at Peacemaker as and saying, yeah. we're not going to shy away from the fact that this this is this dude is a mess but we're also going to show you that there's hope that there's yeah there's a there's a path no matter how bad he actually is because he ha he is you know i mean taking what happened in suicide squad like he was following orders he killed mm -hmm. rick flag he made a bunch of choices this is what it means to be american and he's sort of navigating out of that to your point yeah. now and so yeah, uh, you could you could easily write a thesis on uh, Eagly hugging him is hugging America warts and all, and it would not be out of the realm of yeah. possibility for what the show is trying to say. And like America, I would like to believe a majority want to do better, want to learn, want to understand, want to accept, but still be themselves. And I think that's the journey we're seeing with Peacemaker through the first four episodes, at least so far. So I kind of you know that's kind of where I fall on this. So it's, it symbolizes. Uh, the pursuit of evolution, at least, whether he likes it or not. Um, any negative things, Mike? I go back to you. Any things that kind of make it didn't quite work for you? You feel kind of uh, about as we head into the back half of the of the season here, the last four episodes. I mean, honestly, not. I mean, I'm trying to think through, and when any of those moments where I was like, eh. But the only thing that I think I would I would have I would have held up as I don't know about this is I thought that. 
Mern was getting a little bit boring to me. Mern yeah. was getting a little dull yeah. in his sort of like Amanda Waller light kind of, and, and particularly just because uh, Harcourt, Economos, uh, Vigilante, Adebayo are so interesting and Peacemaker is doing so well that Mern was kind of like, okay, like you're fine, but I would have almost rather had Waller there or something. But as soon as we get to the end of the fourth episode and you see him at home in his apartment and you realize he is a butterfly, he yeah. becomes way more interesting. And a lot of the things they were doing with his character up to that point make more sense. Yeah. Um, and now the mystery of why a butterfly is trying so desperately to kill other butterflies, like I said before, is super interesting. Um, I'm, I'm curious, and I don't think this is a critique either, um, it's more like I'm really curious to see is how much of Adebayo, like, it's very unclear to me what Waller really has her doing and what and why Waller trusts. I mean, obviously yeah. she's Waller's daughter, but right, right. she seems so lovely and sweet and not a part of this world. Um, and I'm not sure how much of that is fiction and how much of that is who she is. And if that is who she is, what is it that Waller has her really doing there? And I, again, that's not a criticism at all. Uh, it's actually really interesting. So um, other than that, like, I, 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 I would have thought I would have had a lot more criticisms about a show like this, and I just don't. Okay, fair enough. Shannon, uh, thoughts, any criticisms you might have? Did any of the humor not work for you? Do you think they've gone too far in certain moments? What about the violence, certainly the toe-cutting scene or almost toe-cutting scene? Thoughts about the violence? I mean, you're very hard on the fight on the fight sequences, the action sequences. Uh, anything that uh, bothers you after the first four episodes or makes you go, eh, I'm not sure. It's all nitpicky stuff. But okay. Because you asked, I'm going to tell you. Sure. <laughs> <Your review. laughs> In episode two, when he's escaping... Um, there's a lot of jumping and falling, which I thought was great. And then in episode four, when he is going to find Judo Master, he makes that jump uh, and lands perfectly. I'm like, oh, yeah. eh, okay, that didn't, that, didn't, that didn't actually make sense, but that's <laughs> but that's fine. And you know, you know me with my blue comedy, how it can make me blush sometimes. Um, so some of it, I'm kind of like, ah, I wouldn't have gone that far, but I think I think it's. <laughs> I think it's it's serving it's serving the show. There's a handful of little jokes that again, this is just super nitpicky stuff. This this is something in like a punch up room where I would be like, eh, like the the eagle eagly joke is funny. Yeah. And their first thing is like, if you have a dog, you call it doggy. And I'm like, that's kind of dumb. I'm like, make it a different animal, turtle. Mm -hmm. Turtle, you call it turtley. Like that's a funny name. Daughter, daughtery, that's funny. Dog, doggy. A lot of people call their dogs doggy. So yeah. like that again, these are just like very nitpicky little jokes. Mm -hmm. The type of thing that uh, again in a punch up room, Vogel would roll his eyes and be like, "Really? That's that's what we're going to talk about." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm very I mean, lovely. I'm lovely in a punch-up room. All ideas are, are welcome. You you are lovely, but you also don't have the best poker face if you don't agree. Uh, that's true. <laughs> punch-up room, punch room or not, that's very true. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't have much to pick. Uh, I, added, I mean, I think a little bit of the... There's, there's some two or three like plot holes that I kind of have questions about that I'm like, oh, did, you know... This idea that this butterflies are coming over, but these are the things you have to forgive in these kind of singular series because you're like, you imagine if butterflies were coming to take over uh, or take over bodies or whatever, you imagine the Justice League would get involved at some point. So but you have to kind of give that uh, uh, benefit of the doubt to the show and let it kind of work within its own universe and do its own thing. Um, yeah, but I, but I think also, but I do think the out of bio storyline with his, with her girlfriend is bothering me a little bit because I'm like, I need to see more of her. I need to see more of what their interactions. I need to see more. I don't want her turned into just, Hey, I'm sitting at home waiting for you. I hope there's something more coming between them that gives her a little more of a part to play. I mean, she's in the opening herself dancing around with the two mm -hmm. middle fingers. That's her. So it's like, I want to see more of her involved in this and, and we'll see obviously in, in these uh, la next four episodes, if that comes to bear for sure. But overall, I'm loving it. Yeah, does some of the humor go a little too far? And for me, it's a little too far in the silly side. I don't mind the R-rated stuff as, as Shannon blushes. I like it. means it's working for me. But like the other more silly, like the Berenstein, Berenstein, I'm like, uh, do we need that? Uh, and so those are the moments where I kind of be like, oh, do we have to be that silly? Because then it comes close to kind of undercutting some of the badassery. But 
that's personal taste. So overall, but overall, I love it. And I really love that everyone's getting their moments. I mean, even I know we didn't talk that much about hardcore, but she's pretty strong throughout the uh, the, yeah. the uh, season and, and making her presence known as a woman not to be messed with. But we're also seeing her stuff with her dad that she mentions in that exchange with Peacemaker and that scene in the bar, which I think is both scenes in the bar, which I think are badass. That first where she's like, can I? I just want to have a drink. I bet every woman in the world saw that scene and was like, I've been there, sister. Like, I get it. And then later when he shows up again and he's like, learn the lesson, he's hands off. It's great to see that kind of stuff that she's having her own path. And we're starting to see uh, cracks in the uh, walls of hardcore so we can start to connect with her a little bit more and see a little bit more of her vulnerability, which I think the show's doing well as well. So it's all a progression for sure. All right. What, what, if, what if we had a giant epic Marvel DC crossover where Adebayo's wife hangs out with John Walker's wife? <laughs> what do you think? Yeah, and you can put it with uh, the Eternals uh, with uh, what's-his-face's uh, uh, husband who's just uh, the nicest <laughs> husband ever. Go ahead, honey. Go save the world. I'm going to sit back here and hang out with the kid. I'm watching on TV. Uh, anyway. That's neither here nor there. Um, let's have uh, let's have final thoughts here as we wrap up. Michael, any final thoughts? As we, uh, what are you hoping to see, and what do you feel about what's coming here in the next four episodes? Um, you know, I just I hope we get more of what we're getting right now. I think mm -hmm. they you know, again, it's it's a it's a great feeling when you're working with a working with when you are uh, enjoying the work of a writer director who seemingly is completely on their game and confident in what they're doing like mm -hmm. this is a show that just feels confident like james gunn you know whether you like his silly humor whether you like his blue humor whether you like any of that stuff this is what he was set out to do this is his tone this is what yeah. it is and he is nailing that um so i just think it's a fun ride like i'm enjoying seeing where it's going i'm enjoying the weird this weirder take on the dc universe i think this in conjunction with the suicide squad really kind of solidifies him saying like look this is this is a part of what the DC universe can do that Marvel will not do. Like Marvel yeah. won't go this far. And so as as we talk and we talk a lot about it, as we talk about DC sort of trying to figure out what their vibe is moving forward, kind of post Flashpoint and everything else, um, this is how they're gonna do it right. This is, oh. hey, this is how our universe is different from Marvel. This is what we will do with our characters. Yeah. Um, and letting James Gunn go as far as he's gone with this, I think is a smart move for them. And so I'm just excited to see how much further he they push the story. Yeah, agreed. Uh, Shannon, final thoughts? Yeah, I, I mean, I hope we get more of the same. I mean, I, I know I didn't talk much about the action. There hasn't been a ton of action, but right. James Gunn actually shoots action really well i mean the, the the few fight scenes that we've gotten have been have been great so i hope that i hope that the action ramps up i hope we get more of the comedy even though some of it does make me blush and i hope that <laughs> eagerly gets to throw a feathered punch <laughs> certainly the fight sequences between peacemaker and judo master are fantastic yeah uh, for sure and um and all of that so yeah uh yeah i, I agree with both of you obviously i've seen the first three episodes but I'm I'm hoping when I get to the next three episodes, rather, I'm hoping when we get to the eighth episode, it continues that vibe, continues that feeling and all of that that I've enjoyed so much. So I'm not going to speculate too much or say anything too much because I've already seen the next three. So I'll leave it at that. Uh, I, I enjoy the hell out of the show. You couldn't have made a more John Roca show than the Peacemaker show. And I'm loving it right now. It is I'm enjoying it more than any of the Marvel shows. I'm telling you right now. That's because it just it checks all my boxes as a human being, and everything they're doing is fit. If you're an '80s kid, this one speaks to you like on on so many levels uh, for so many reasons. So yeah, that's why I put it where it is, and we'll see. All right, well, thanks everybody for watching this spoiler review of Peacemaker here from the Geek Guys Geek Buddies. We appreciate it madly. Shannon, what do we have to tell? Yeah, if you'd like to follow us on social media, on Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies. On Instagram, at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media, on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung. On Instagram, at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you would like to follow Mr. Vogel, it is at MK Tune. If you would like to follow Mr. Roca, it is at The Roca Says. Mikey? Uh, well, we're having a blast talking about this stuff. And if you want us to continue talking about it so we can see what other jokes make Shannon blush, uh, here is what you can do uh, to keep things going with the Geek Buddies. 
Um, you can uh, smash that like button, subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw Nation page, check out all the awesome content he's got there. Leave your comments below. Like, how is Peacemaker stacking up to you? Is it what you expected? Is it not what you expected? Who do you think is the standout performer? Where do you think things are going? What's going on with the butterflies? Let us know in the comments what you think. Um, we love to hear from you. And if you are listening to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or anywhere where podcasts are available, uh, go ahead and leave us some stars and some comments because it helps us go up in the rankings. And as always, the best thing that you can do is is retweet this video, post it to your socials, and tell everybody that if they want to talk geeky stuff, the place to do it is with the Geek Buddies. Absolutely. And if you start doing the dance uh, from the opening sequence, tweet at us the videos of you doing the dance. We will retweet it. Absolutely. Maybe even play them on the show when we do our uh, regular episodes for sure. Thank you all so much for uh, watching and listening to us. And thanks again to Carbon Health, who sponsors what we do here. Certainly, Peacemaker and Judo Master may have to take a visit to Carbon Health and fix themselves. CarbonHealth.com, so much to explore. So many clinics. They have virtual care for you. If you're going overseas to travel, they've got testing available for you. If you've got a test, whether you're vaccinated or not, they will test you. So go, go and take a look and go to CarbonHealth.com and see where they can help you today. All right, we're out of here. Take care of yourselves. Be well. We'll talk to you next time with another brand new spoiler review episode here from the Geek Buddies. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.